This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Tonight on Huckabee, Missouri Congressman Jason Smith, Radiance Foundation's Ryan Baumberger, Creative Its Executive Director Richard Casper, 1960s pop rocker Tommy Rowe. That's Trey Corley in the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Bilbrey. And now, here's Mike Huckabee! Welcome, everybody. We have a fantastic studio audience, and that always makes it more fun for all of us. But let me just start by saying, I'm about to say something that will surprise you, shock you. It will likely result in an audible gasp from our audience right here in the Huckabee Theater. Here it is. I salute Nancy Pelosi. Yeah. See, I told you, I told you, audible gasp, and I got it. Yeah, I do. I salute Nancy Pelosi for making a stop in Taiwan during what would have otherwise been just some meaningless government junket for her and some congressional cronies to fly around the world at taxpayer expense and pick up some bargains while pretending to be on an important trip to study world conditions. Yep, catch your breath and realize that I'm actually giving Props to Pelosi. Kudos to the Congresswoman. Salute to the Speaker. Now, don't get used to it. No, no. no. <laughs> I promise I'll be back to my sarcastic and snarly self very soon. But it genuinely mattered that Pelosi did not back down and cancel her stop in Taiwan as a result of the blustering bullying of the Chinese Communist Party who threatened to shoot her plane down if she tried to land in Taipei. Of course, they didn't shoot down her plane. Now, I've been to Taiwan more than a dozen times. I love the country. I love its people. I love their embrace of freedom and their commitment to an elected government and to the benefits of free enterprise. Hey, I learned to use chopsticks there. In fact, in my first trip, when I was just a mere lieutenant governor, I was treated to a wonderful luncheon with a group of political government and business leaders in Taiwan. And the only utensils before me were chopsticks. And I was hungry. <laughs> and like being thrown into the water and forced to swim, my hungry self completely mastered the use of chopsticks in short order. And to this day, I wouldn't think of eating Chinese food with a knife and a fork. No way. Well, I was there most recently, just before the pandemic shut the world down. I've met with the last four of its presidents. It is a vibrant, exciting little island where innovation and technology rule. And frankly, I can't wait to go back. 
But my reasons for offering my rare praise for Nancy Pelosi tonight is because China has bullied the world into submission. Major U.S. corporations cower in their corner offices, and they say nothing about the human rights abuses of the communists in mainland China. All these companies, they love the money they're making from doing business with the Chinese communists. And they just look the other way at child slave labor, the sick and twisted oppression of free speech, so strict it would make Facebook and Twitter blush, and then a brutal treatment of Christians. And big celebrity athletes and entertainers like LeBron James, they smugly speak of how awful America is and fail to say a word about the millions that they make in China by using the slave labor of children to make their shoes and other junk. Whether it's Walmart or Disney or what I call Woca-Cola, it really is for a lot of these companies all about the Benjamins. And while President Biden was sending mixed messages and all but urging Speaker Pelosi to not set foot in Taiwan, Nancy Pelosi understood that once it became public that she might even go, and the Chinese government started having the tantrums of a two-year-old, she absolutely had to go. For otherwise, it would make America look even weaker than Biden made us look in the exit from Afghanistan. So when I saw her plane touch down at the Taipei airport, and I saw the welcome that she received from the good and freedom-loving citizens of Taiwan, I was for a moment very proud of her and of the United States for standing with a faithful friend and ally and not caving into the petty cash-driven demands of the bullies in the so-called People's Republic of China. Now, I'm sure when Nancy gets home, she'll be right back to tearing up Donald Trump's speeches on TV, making incoherent speeches, promoting abortion, rallying her partisan uh, pet projects and raising taxes, and keeping the likes of her pet Republican Liz Cheney on a short leash. And I'll be right back to calling her out for insider stock trading involving her husband and ignoring President Biden and his son Hunter's unseemly connections doing business with the Chinese communist and her still pretending that the January 6th riots in D.C. were even worse than 9-11. But for now, I raise my glass of iced tea tip my hat and offer a deep bow from the waist to Speaker Nancy Pelosi for being a brave American eagle and not a frightened chicken in the face of threats from one of the most corrupt and evil empires on the face of the planet. My first guest says the Democrats' so-called Inflation Reduction Act will do just the opposite if it comes to pass. Families and workers are going to see even higher prices and lower paychecks as $17 billion worth of proposed tax hikes are going to hit the middle class the hardest. He says it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to raise taxes during a recession. And yeah, we really are in one. Would you please welcome to the show for his first visit with us, Republican leader of the Budget Committee and Ways and Means Committee in the U.S. Congress, Jason Smith from the great state of Missouri. (laughs) 
Well, Congressman, I was afraid that you heard me saying nice things about Nancy Pelosi. You might just head for the exits, but you didn't, and I thank you for that. I was kind of surprised, but uh, <laughs> I would have to say it's one of the first times in my life that I probably would have said those same nice things about her. Well, I, I really believe that it was a, an important moment that the U.S., at least that Pelosi uh, and the people with her did not back down and buckle under the threats of China. Um, we got some real problems in this country, and that's one of them, the appearance of weakness. What, uh, what does America need to do to change that? Well, there's a lot of things that we need to do. It seems like that in the last 18 months, we've just went into one crisis after another. People are struggling to put yeah. food on their table and clothes on their backs and gasoline in their cars. And it's because of the, the record inflation. It's the highest inflation in 40 years. It's gone up 13.8% since President Biden took the oath of office. And they're struggling. You know, we, uh, we hear from the White House that we don't have a recession, that it's just a transition. I find yeah. that crazy. You're the ranking member on the Ways and Means and the Budget Committee. So I think it's important from your perspective, are we in a recession? You know, Governor, um, for the last 75 years, recession has always been defined as two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth. The first quarter of this year was minus 1.6%. Uh, this last quarter was minus 0.9%. It's, it's strange to me how this administration loves to redefine terms, whether it's a mother as being a birthing person or yeah. whether it's what a recession has been for the last 75 years. But let's talk about the bill that the Democrats seem absolutely just determined to pass. And from all indications, the two holdouts from the Democrats, Joe Manchin, Kirsten Sinema, they're going to vote for this. It has a lot of provisions for tax increases, though they say, oh, no, it doesn't raise taxes on anybody but the highest earners. Is that true? That's absolutely not true. This is the wrong recipe, the wrong solution. For, for what Americans are going through. This proposed piece of legislation is over $700 billion of spending, and it increases taxes by more than $600 billion. The last thing we need to do is to try to spend ourselves out of, out of uh, inflation and to tax our way out of a recession. It's the wrong recipe. When you're looking at the taxes in this proposal, almost half of them will be on, on the lower to middle income. And that, that is devastating when people right now trying to just figure out how to be able to live within their means. Congressman, how do the Democrats get away with saying that it won't affect the middle and lower class uh, earners? Uh, and, and it seems like the media goes along with it. it. I mean, the numbers don't reflect that. Governor, just last year alone in the House of Representatives, more than seven and a half trillion dollars, trillion with a T, hmm. of dollars was spent on top of just funding government. Wow. And they wonder why yeah. we have the highest inflation in 40 years. That's why last year inflation cost every family $3,500, and this year it's projected to cost every family $5,900. It's just over $490 a month that, that is taken from American families just because of reckless government spending. Is there anybody in this crowd here tonight just asking for whom you don't care of the $5,900?
How many of you are affected by $5,900 a year out of your pocket and paycheck? If somebody around you is not lifting his hand or her hand, uh, ask them for money, because obviously they're ask fine. Ask them for a loan. No kidding. And if I see them before you do, I'm asking them. Uh, Congressman, stick around. We want to talk some more about what's going on. The midterm elections certainly are critical, and they're heating up. We're going to talk about that right after the break. More with Congressman Smith in just a moment. Stay with us. Still to come, the magic of Craig Cargus, and later the music of Tommy Rowe. You're watching Huckabee. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Go to MikeHuckabee.com and sign up for his free newsletter and follow at GovMikeHuckabee on Twitter. And welcome back. We are talking with Congressman Jason Smith of Missouri. We really, I think all of us are shocked by how much money, and it's not, you know, when you say the trillion, it's like, okay, that's a figure that's hard for me to get my arms around. But when you say $5,900 per American family, we get our arms around that one. But to, to even today, or, or this week at the White House, um, one of the reporters asked the White House press secretary, how come President Biden is bragging about gasoline that's still almost twice what it was when he took office? And she said, because it's going down very smugly. But it is a huge issue for most American families. And he blamed the increase on Putin, but he's trying to take all the credit for any penny at which it goes down. What's Gov wrong with that? Yeah, Governor, I hate hearing um, the White House say that it's Putin's fault. Gas prices were already up 75% hmm. since Joe Biden took the oath of office. They're up over 90% right now since he's taken the oath of office, but they were already up over 75%. In his first few weeks in office, the executive orders and the war that he had on US energy is what has caused the skyrocketing in our gas prices. Just in his budget, Governor, just in his budget that he released a couple months ago, he wanted to impose over $45 billion worth of tax increases on U.S. energy. Guess what? That goes directly to every American. Of course it does. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to come straight out of their pocketbook. It always does. And they were also boasting that they had released uh, oil from the Strategic Reserve. But the latest reports are China is getting that oil. Can you explain to me why on God's green earth we're giving, selling, making it possible for China to have that oil rather than American citizens. You can't explain that. It doesn't make sense. Whenever you pull oil from our strategic stockpiles because you want to lower, lower prices, but then you sell it to the Chinese, there's not one individual could find that to make sense. In fact, myself and a couple other legislators submitted an amendment to try to prevent this from ever happening again. Of course, Speaker Pelosi uh, wouldn't allow it out of the Rules Committee, wouldn't even allow us to have a vote on it. But I, I, it, it, it does not make sense 
Midterm elections, they're just a few months away. Most people think that Republicans will take the House. Let's assume for a moment that happens. How does that affect most citizens out here if Republicans win and Democrats don't keep the House? It's extremely important. It all depends if we win the House and the Senate. We need to win both. Um, and, but this doesn't happen every, every, every year. Put it this way, in the last 100 years, the House has only flipped from Democrat to Republican four times hmm. in 100 years. So if we can pull this off, it is, it is extremely important. But if we can pull it off, it will allow us to put a check and balance on the White House. You know, of course, anything to be reversed would have to have his signature. And if, if he didn't sign it, it would take a two-thirds majority, which is very, very difficult. Sure. However, we can use the power of subpoena power and oversight. I serve on the House Ways and Means Committee and the Budget Committee. Going after IRS and looking into what the IRS is doing to Americans, this bill that is being proposed right now, what people don't know, Governor, is that they're asking for $80 billion to double the size of the IRS. Oh, that's just great. Because we they love that. It, yeah. We'll get a load of this because they want to hire 87,000 IRS agents to make sure that they're looking under every couch cushion to make sure you're paying every penny that you're supposed to to the tax collector because they don't think you are. In fact, they're projecting if we put $80 billion in, we'll be able to find $200 billion by more auditing of everyone in this audience. Congressman, we hope that, and I just want to be very genteel in saying this. We hope Republicans take the House, but for heaven's sakes, if you do, stand up, be tough, and take it to them because America needs someone to pull back the covers and show what is actually happening to our money that we earned and sent it to Washington. And I have a lot of confidence you're going to help do that. So make us proud. You can count on that, Governor. Thank you. Congressman Jason Smith, very delighted to have him. He will be a key player because if this flips, he'll be the chairman of the single most important committee in Congress, the Ways and Means. That controls all of the tax code. It is a big deal. Well, our great audience can learn a lot more about the congressman's doings just by heading over to Huckabee.tv. We've got a link to his website and to all the ways in which you can find out exactly what Congressman Smith is doing, not just for the people of Missouri, but for you as well. Right now, it is our job to head over to Keith Bilbury. We'll learn what we got coming up on the show tonight. Well, the incredible illusions of Craig Cargus is next. Then, Purple Heart recipient Richard Casper of Creative X. All on Huckabee. some energy going because of that great music. They're playing the big hits of uh, Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons. What a night. And that's what we think about tonight's next guest. With a unique mix of magic, psychology, and intuition, it has earned him the title, The Extraordinist. 
He has performed in 27 different nations and all 50 states. He's been on TV shows from Jay Leno to Larry King. Would you please welcome the amazing Craig Cargus? Thank you, Governor. Thank you, Craig. Great nice having you here. You're like deja vu. And uh, yeah, it's like we've done this before. That's the magic of it, isn't it? I know. Now, what's Trey doing? Oh, He's... Trey, this is going to be a three-ring circus. Uh -huh. You don't really know what's going on. Yeah, I don't. And I have no idea. I'd like to keep you in the dark. Right. Uh, so you're going to blindfold me in a second using three different groups of things on that table. And you okay. can take a look at those now if you want. All right. It's two coins, a black cloth blindfold, and a bunch of tape on the back. All Trey, right. yes. your job, you'll come over here. Okay. There are four little wooden stands, and you will notice, Trey, one of the stands has a spike embedded in it. And before we get started, I just want you to take the soft flesh of your palm and touch it to the spike, but don't smack down on it. Okay. I'll go ahead. And then, Lord, okay, okay. yeah. You're going to cover these stands in a second with these styrofoam cups. Then you're going to position them on the back of the table, one over each of these little pieces of tape. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. And then you're going to mix them around a bit. Okay. Now, you'll be doing that while Governor's blindfolding me. But Keith, he's in it too. Oh, I am? Your job is to scout the audience, find somebody, random person, with a piece of paper money. So oh, I'm good at that. Any denomination yeah. of bill, right. Begging, it's like a yeah. collection. <laughs> I want okay. that job. <laughs> so, so you do that. Governor, if you'll hand me one of those coins. Okay. And you can go ahead and there get started. And you if you give me one of the pieces of tape, yeah. Now this is, this is how the blindfolding process will work. All right. The coin's gonna go about three quarters of the way up on the sticky side, and this will seal off the vision in my right eye. Hmm. And then, Governor, okay. I need another coin. There you go, another, another piece of tape. of tape. Gonna do the exact same thing with that. All right. Can we put one of those on Keith's mouth? This Do you think that's my seal <laughs> the vision in my left eye? Now I'm going to keep doing this. And Trey, you did you cover the four stands? Yes. And they're in, on uh, the piece of tape. Yes. And you're changing the order. Up. Yes. Perfect. Uh, Governor, if you give me another strip of tape. Okay. This one will go over my forehead. I don't think he's seeing any of this. There we go. And then if you rip off another one, next okay. one goes to the center. And there then there should just be one more left. Last there one will go down towards the bottom. I want to see you take that. Now, <laughs> so that was my next question. He, Keith, he will not have eyebrows when he leaves <laughs> here tonight. And Governor, if you press all this down, make sure it's all tight and secure against my face. Yeah, I think and so. Trey, keep mixing those up. Okay, I'm yeah. mixing. And if you'll hand me the blindfold. Okay, there you go. You wrap that around my head. And all right. Right, I don't want to feel around too much. Yeah. And just grab those little elastic strips and just Velcro it to my head. Thanks, there sir. There you go. Now, Keith, you found some money. I yes. found some money. Hey, Would you I, just give me the bill? Okay, don't tell you what it is. No, now you just went out to a random person. Did you know the person? No, I did not you know the person. You could have gotten any denomination bill. Yeah. This is kind of a well, it's any 20. denomination. That's it's a, a Baptist bill. It's twenty. Isn't it? It's yeah. twenty. Okay. Okay. It's a 20. How do you um, know that? On know. each bill, there's a serial number. Uh -huh. If you look at the lower right-hand corner of this bill, you'll see two letters, eight numbers, and, a, and another letter. Um, put my thumb over the first letter. Okay. Now, there's not another $20 bill on this planet with the same sequence of letters and numbers on it. What right. I'm going to try to do is call these off in order. And if I'm right, I would like you two just to acknowledge I'm right. Okay. And if I'm wrong, let me make a second guess. Okay. And Trey, keep moving those around, constant motion all the time. Um, does, does, it start with, does it start oh, it's either a G or a C. I always get these confused. Does it start with letter G? It does. Okay, then the next letter is an F? Yes. Eight? Yes. Three? Yes. The five after the three? Uh-huh. Six? Yes. Two. Yep. Seven. Correct. Four. Uh-huh. How many things are left? Is it just one letter and one number? One number. And one, one letter. letter. Uh-huh. Last number is a nine. Mm-hmm. And is a letter the other thing I get confused? It's a C. <laughs> yes, it's a C. Really? It is. Yes, it nice. is. It is. Wow. It is. <laughs> and a native Tennessean's pictures on that. Do you know who that is? Yes, that would be Jackson. That's, That's very good. <laughs> 
That's not that hard of a question. Could, Old Stone uh, now, now, Trey, yeah. uh, did you, your four cups are back there, they're yes. over the stands. Yes. If you'll help me out, just sure. take me by the wrist and lead me around so okay. I'm standing behind right. the okay, table. Yes, sir. I want to be facing Talking the about the blind okay. leading the blind. Yeah. Right? That's good. <laughs> now, okay. if you position me or I ask you to position me, and if I do this, Trey, yes, my right hand should be over the cup on the extreme right-hand side, my left hand should be over the cup on the extreme left-hand okay. side, and there should be two cups in the middle, yes? Yes, sir, correct. Now, Trey, underneath one of these cups is a spike. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I saw that spike. And you know exactly where it is. You didn't tell me to know where the spike is. <laughs> Seriously? So did you lose track during the mixing process? I didn't pay any attention. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't uh, say. Yeah, you picked a great guy okay. to do this. You, you didn't you tell him that, Trey? No, I, underneath, I, underneath one of these cups, there's a spike, and apparently no one knows where that spike is. I have no idea where this spike is. I was so looking you, at you. When you think about it, it's almost more interesting this way. Um, oh, great. It is so for us. We don't have to do this. We'll try it, and if it works. I'll tell you what, hold Trey's hand over <laughs> no, There I'm you go. <laughs> okay, no, it's, it's, oh my lord. This is a little game of hide and seek. Uh, Trey, you're smart enough to know you should never try this at home. Oh, this is... no. Oh, oh, gosh. So it's not there. That was the All extreme right. right. So now I have a, a new right and okay. old left and just one in the middle. Okay, that's... Trey, yeah. are you trying to figure out where it is? Because you're no, confusing I am, Just don't I, think. I, um, okay. I hate this part. I do, too. Oh! Oh! Oh, <laughs> oh my uh, God! Governor, could you hand me that balloon? Can you take this off? Did you hand me the balloon that's on the table? Hand me yeah, the balloon. Yeah, yes, this, indeed. This little... There you go. Oh, my God. That's punctuation point. That's okay. real. Yeah. Now, real quick before I rip all this off, <laughs> I want to show you that everything is still intact. This way the governor placed it on. There's okay. five things. I have a question for you. What? Could, if I gave something, could you, like, give us a number on this, too? What? I don't know. It, um, it's, it's somebody's card. Wait a minute! That's it? not debit card. No, no, I'm just trying to get it. You'd, you'd want it back? There's not. I'm not doing any more. <laughs> is this, is this his it's card his card. I, I'm sorry. I was. <laughs> I was just trying. Are the first? Are the first four digits four four five one? Uh, yeah. yeah, they are. Okay, we'll just quit. <laughs> stop. Stop. We'll just stop it there. <laughs> That's crazy. Oh wow! Real. Uh, I'm real sorry. Quick before I rip. <laughs> you like you stole his car. I did because I knew you. Yeah. Well, see, this happened There's once before, and I guessed my, my your pin number. My pin yeah. number, and I had to change it immediately after the show. I'm not going to tell anybody they already have that as well. Oh, um, this, yeah. this, and underneath <laughs> this was the five strips of tape. Oh, They're still all pressed. Man. And on the opposite oh, side. Oh. Oh. No. Oh, 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 you just oh, get oh. sealed down. That's worse than sticking your it hand is, on that spike, is. man. Oh. Ah. Just the way, Governor. Oh. Oh. You put it on. I know. <laughs> wow. Thanks. Okay. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> One, two. Three. I can't tell the eyebrows. Oh, wow. Well, you're going to want to see more of the extraordinary awesome. Craig Cargus and pick up his book called Ignite Your Intuition 2. Visit Huckabee.tv. We got a link to everything Craig's up to. You don't want to miss it. Right now, Keith Bilbrey, right after he calls his bank and gets that card changed, he's going to call upon his vast mental powers and tell us what's coming up next. Do I have to give this 20 back? Oh, oh if, if that made your head spin, then you're in the perfect mood to hear Tommy Rose get sung. Dizzy, but first, Radiance Foundation.
co-founder Ryan Bomberger. Stay tuned for more Huckabee. I am so grateful for the work of Samaritan's Purse doing the Lord's work in Eastern Kentucky. The value of the physical and spiritual support that they are providing, it just can't be understated. And the physical and spiritual support that you provide to Samaritan's Purse makes all of that possible. You've seen those horrible pictures, what's happened to those folks in Kentucky. Good reason to go to the Samaritan's Purse website or call them today and partner with their work. Thank you and God bless you for helping them. Well, in the wake of the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, some elected officials and activists, they've been furious about easy access to abortion coming to an end in many states throughout the country. Vice President Kamala Harris recently blasted pro-life groups and their leaders. She compared them to proponents of, wait for this, slavery. My next guest says, that's pretty ironic, because no demographic is more exploited by the abortion industry than black women. He's been on our show before. He's the founder of the Radiance Foundation. Please welcome back Ryan Bomberger. Ryan, good to see you. <laughs> good to see you. Ryan, some folks may not have watched when you were here before, may not know. So share with us your own story, because I think it is so powerful and reminds us of uh, why this issue is very personal to you. Absolutely. I'm literally the 1% that's used 100% of the time to justify abortion. Even though my birth mom horrifically faced the violence of rape and was a victim of rape, she did not choose to make me a victim of abortion. Hmm. And so I was adopted into your typical American family of 15. I had six <laughs> brothers, six sisters, and 10 of us were adopted. And for all those people who say a child should not go into the foster care system, I was adopted out of the foster care system, um, should not suffer the, the trauma of, of that, I would say to them that we were all better off loved, not better off dead. Mm. I think we all agree with that. And having watched your work and your magnificent enthusiasm for life, I, I can't imagine that the world would be better without you. I know it is better with you. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> what was your reaction when you heard the vice president make the comments uh, a few weeks ago um, that basically said that we should celebrate abortion, but not life. Well, I don't know if anybody's noticed, but the vice president is often confused. And so <laughs> it, we have it's noticed. not surprising yes. that she gets confused about that. And sadly, you know, comparing it to slavery, the abortion bans and abortion abolition to slavery, she's got it mixed up. Actually, <laughs> abortion is slavery. I mean, you had in the past where children were severed from their parents in order to profit slave owners. Well, today, children are severed inside of their mothers to profit abortionists. I mean, there's nothing closer than abortion and slavery, where you had seven individuals on the Supreme Court rule that you know, a certain group of humans weren't human enough to be protected by the Constitution. So unfortunately, Vice President Harris has things a little twisted. Senator Warren from Massachusetts said that she wants to see every pro-life <laughs> crisis pregnancy center shut down across America. And I'm, I'm just wondering, why would you want to take away the help that is given to mothers who choose life? They, they're given diapers, they're given medical care, they're given formula, uh, training and mothering. What's that about? 
Well, she exposes the fraud of the pro-choice movement. I mean, they're not actually for any kind of choice. The only thing they're for is the violence of abortion. So Senator Warren obviously has not been inside of these 2,700 pregnancy centers across the country. I've been inside of hundreds yeah. through our work through the Radiance Foundation. We've worked with hundreds across the country. And if she had been inside of one ever, she would understand that one, they, they don't torture women. <laughs> yeah. Two, that they actually love mothers and fathers and they provide all this free care. They don't charge for any of their services. But Senator Warren, to me, epitomizes the, the fraud of fake feminism. They keep talking about choices, but they want to eliminate anything other than abortion. And when I think about um, what's happening in the African-American community, you have spoken out about this, and I think you've got the credibility to do it, that the African-American community is targeted by the abortion providers, and there is an incredibly disproportionate number of abortions that happen to black women versus women of uh, Caucasian race. Right, abortion in New York City, where Planned Parenthood is headquartered, more black babies are aborted than born alive. And this is by historic design. People who understand eugenics and the racist, elitist pseudoscience of eugenics understands that this has been happening for years and this has been intentional. And Planned Parenthood continues to target the black community where I mean, Planned Parenthood is, is the leading killer of black lives. 360 black lives are killed every single day. Hmm. And what I find ridiculous is that Planned Parenthood calls itself an anti-racist organization. How are you gonna be an anti-racist organization when you're the leading killer of black lives? I mean, that is pretty crazy. The Radiance Foundation that you started, tell us about the work that you do and how has it been impacted by the Supreme Court decision? Well, the Radiance Foundation is an organization my wife, Bethany, and I uh, created back in 2009. My wife was an educator for 13 years and I was a creative director in the ad agency world for the same number of years. And we wanted to equip people to talk about culture-shaping issues from a creative perspective. And so I consider myself a factivist because we need to understand the facts in I order to act that responsibly. Yes. That's great. So we, we started the Radiance Foundation to really illuminate that every human life has God-given purpose. And we do that through ad campaigns. We do that through our op-eds. We do that through our community outreaches. And we keynote about 60 events across the country, colleges like Harvard, Princeton, University of Notre Dame, and other types of events. And we just are passionate about illuminating that every human life, whether you're planned, unplanned, able, or disabled, every human life has purpose. Do you have people that yell at you and scream at you for that? And I love that the audience appreciates that. But do people get angry because they say, how dare you stand up for every life, that every life matters like that? Absolutely. When I present my personal experience of a courageous birth mom yeah. who rejected the violence of abortion, there are those who just can't handle, they can't handle the truth of my lived experience. We hear that phrase all the time, yeah. lived experience, which is not synonymous with truth, but we want our lived experiences to point us to the truth. Brian, you're one of the most articulate pro-life people I have ever heard in my life. I love what you're doing. I'm so grateful for your creating the Radiance Foundation and the extraordinary work that you and your wife do across this country. God bless you, my friend. Please be encouraged by our audience and by all the folks who are watching. Now, if you want to learn more about Ryan and the very unique work of the Radiance Foundation, if you go to Huckabee.tv, we have a link directly to Radiance Foundation and the things that Ryan is up to. Right now, Keith Bilbrey will tell us what other Radiant guests we might just have on the show tonight. Well, up next, Purple Heart recipient Richard Casper, then the king of bubblegum, Tommy Rose, still ahead on Huckabee.
shop.huckabee.tv and get your very own Made in the USA Huckabee mugs, t-shirts, and more. One thing we absolutely are so grateful for on this show is the extraordinary music of Trey Corley and the Music City Connection. Would you give them a big hand of appreciation? Well, speaking of appreciation, there are some folks we want to thank. August the 7th is National Purple Heart Day. That's when Americans express our gratitude to veterans who were wounded or killed defending our freedoms. In our audience tonight, we are honored to have several veterans and Purple Heart recipients with us. I'd like to ask all of our veterans to stand. And if you would stand and remain standing, if you are a veteran and among these folks standing, go ahead and stand up, veterans. Let's see you. And among these who are standing, a number of these folks are Purple Heart recipients. And we are grateful to God that you have given us our freedom. We thought the best way to observe Purple Heart Day would be to introduce you to someone who is a Purple Heart recipient. And he's helping other veterans heal through the gift of art and music. Please welcome the co-founder of Creativets, Marine combat veteran, Richard Casper. Richard, welcome, it's great having you. Thank you, it's so great to be on the show. Four years in the Marine Corps, and you were hit with four different IED devices over a four month period, yeah. suffering traumatic brain injury. That's a long way from starting a foundation that helps people <laughs> who are veterans to connect to music and the arts. Yeah. What happened that took you there? So those injuries were, Staggering, like, because before war, I was not an artist. I was not a musician. I'm from a town of 1,100 people, small farming community where art doesn't exist really. Yeah. And so I was the type, rode a Harley, tattoos, I'm not doing art. <laughs> so I get blown up and I have, uh, and also my buddy was shot and killed beside me. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and all this happened, legitimately in four months, I was considered unfit for duty because I had a left traumatic brain injury. Uh, but when I transitioned out of the Marine Corps, I, I touched down from Iraq to 29 Palms and I just checked out the Marine Corps. I didn't know I was injured. They didn't send me to blood. In 2007, uh, TBI wasn't a big thing or PTSD wasn't a big thing. So I didn't even get treated for it. It took me 11 years to actually get my Purple Heart. <laughs> That's a whole nother side oh. story. But when I was transitioning out, again, now I'm here, like I, I didn't know I was as injured as I was and I'm gonna attack life. And I'm like, I'm gonna take six months off just to kind of live because I almost died so many times. Why not live a little bit? So that six months is over and I'm like, I'm ready to go to college, get a degree, go into maybe a three letter agency or something like use my background. And all of a sudden I was halted. I had extreme crippling anxiety and depression that I didn't know where it was coming from. I had to do one-on-one -on -one speeches with my speech teacher in college. Hmm. And so I, I was like, I'm just gonna get an easy cop-out degree in art. <laughs> I'm just gonna be around people who <laughs> don't wanna talk to me. I don't wanna talk to them. And long story short, it, legitimately saved my life. They taught me how to tell my story without actually telling my story. And then I started getting into creative writing and thinking like, I'm a six foot five combat Marine that rides Harleys. I don't want to cry in front of people, but every time I brought up Luke Yepsen who was shot and killed beside me, I cried. I said, what if I could write a song that I could just give to someone and walk away? So now mm. they know Luke lived and I can have that, that comfort knowing I told my story. You now connect veterans with songwriters in Nashville, yeah. which makes sense. There are more yeah. songwriters here than there are people serving food at Waffle House. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you connect them 
and get these veterans, some of whom are not necessarily musicians, but they work with professional songwriters and team up. Richard, lives are being saved with what you're doing. I mean, you're, you're taking away that suicide rate of 23 people a day. What is, what is it that's so powerful about music and the lives of these veterans? There's, you've never met someone who says, I don't like music. <laughs> you can meet a lot of people yeah. who say, I don't like horses, I don't like water, I don't like art. I've never heard one human say, I don't like music. And so for yeah. one, there's that connectivity. But what happens in the room and how we're set up too, understanding what, what I went through, I, was, I didn't have any money. I, was, I needed a battle buddy, and my anxieties were so bad that I couldn't leave my house. So when I built these programs, I said, well, I need to make sure that their excitement outweighs their anxieties, that they have funding, and they have a battle buddy. So every veteran that calls, that comes through our program, at first it was just me that called them back. I said, hey, I was blown up four times. My buddy was killed beside me. What'd you go through? And they tell me, and I said, well, when I fly you to Nashville, I'm gonna pay for your flight, your food, your housing. We're gonna write backstage at the Grand Ole Opry, and I'm gonna be with you every step of the way so you mm. tell that story that you need to tell. And so we've expanded from that one-on-one to now five veterans coming at a time. When we fly in a Vietnam veteran, we fly in a Vietnam writer mentor with him. Wow. And they're paired with those two songwriters or artists. And what happens in that room, it's so hard to explain, but we're repurposing the memories that they had on those old experiences. Mm. So when they tell me, Richard, I can't tell my wife this, but I did this in Iraq, or I saw this, we write a song about that. When we're done with the song, the first person they text it to is their wife. Mm. Because they're like, babe, listen to the song I just wrote in Nashville, and they're so pumped up. So there's that, it's weird because you get excited about the worst thing that's ever happened to you, and you start sharing it, and you share it so fast that you're like, oh man, I just shared my whole story, but then you start having conversations about it, and it's just something magical about it. Every Richard, session. I have to believe that not only is it changing the lives of the veterans, but it's changing the lives of those songwriters who are working with the it veterans. Is. They're not the same either. It's not, and it's even the family members, something I never expected. I thought about it, but I didn't expect it. The first time a song ever hit the radio that we wrote, yeah. I had an email from a spouse who said, my husband is a Marine, he has PTSD, but he's never been treated for it because he acts like he doesn't have it, but I know he does. When I came home after hearing your song on the radio, I played it for him and another one you had on your website, he started telling me about things he went through in war because he connected so much with that veteran in the song. Wow. And I was like, we're not just helping the veterans now, we're helping the spouses, we're helping civilians understand and bridging that gap between the military-civilian divide just through music. Richard, it may be one of the most amazing things I've ever heard of in helping veterans. I, I, I believe music is so powerful, so therapeutic, and what you're doing to connect veterans through music and songwriting, all I can do is stand back in awe and say, God bless you and thank God for what you're doing. How wonderful. I hope that you wanna learn more about the organization CreativeX, as well as how you can join their work in lifting up our veterans. If you wanna do that, and I sure hope you do, visit Huckabee.tv. We have information on Richard's organization. Right now, Keith Bilbrey is gonna tell us what's still to come. Well, don't miss the all-time classic hit, Dizzy, from Tommy Rowe. That's after the break on Huckabee. Join Huckabee next week for Rich Dad, Poor Dad author Robert Kiyosaki, legendary TV star Kathy Lee Gifford, and more. Welcome back. Tonight's musical guest, 
Well, he was just one of the most popular singers and songwriters of the 1960s. He had hits like Sheila, Jam Up and Jelly Tight, and his classic song, Dizzy, that was number one for four weeks in a row back in 1969. He has now shared his amazing life story in this memoir. I just got finished reading it and loved it. It's called From Cabbage Town to Tinseltown and Places in Between. Would you join me in giving a very warm welcome to the one and only Tommy Rowe. This is a big deal for me. Oh, it's a big you deal here, for me. Well, I played your, your records fan. when I was a 14-year-old disc jockey. You helped me get through school, man. <laughs> uh, thank you. Oh, uh, listen, I started when I was 14. I wrote Sheila when I was 14. You know, it's going to be kind of crazy. Next month, September of 22, is the 60th anniversary of that song being certified gold. Number one song, oh, your first big number one. <laughs> And it almost didn't make it, right? It almost didn't make it. That's true. That actually, when the record was released, the, the A side was called Save Your Kisses, and Sheila was the B side. <laughs> and so they played Save Your Kisses for a while on the radio, and it went nowhere. Yeah. And Buddy Dean, a, a DJ in Baltimore, back in those days, DJs could play more or less what they wanted to. Yeah. Well, he decided he'd flip the record over and play the B side. He did, and as we used to say in the old days, the phones lit up. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody started calling and requesting Sheila, and that's how that record broke. And Buddy Dean ended up being one of my very dear friends. I spoke at his funeral oh when he passed God. away in Pine Bluff, Arkansas, where he owned radio stations. Who would have thought that connection? Who would have thought? Now, here's something that blows <clears throat> me away. In the spring of 1963, you're headlining a tour in the UK. <laughs> and they get these guys to uh, open for you that are kind of a, you know, up and coming band. They were called- They're a cover band. The Beatles. <laughs> the Beatles. <laughs> they opened for Tommy Rowe. Was that crazy? It, I tell you, that was one of the most interesting experiences in my life, because I'll tell you why. The, the Beatles only opened for two artists. Well, three, because Chris Montez and I were headlining that show. Yeah. But they opened for Chris and I, and they opened for Roy Orbison. And that's the only American artist that they ever opened for. But what happened on both of those tours is Beatlemania was just taken off. And to, to make the shows work, they had to flip the order around. <laughs> because the, the Beatle fans were just, you know, they made everything so chaotic that you couldn't go on stage after the Beatles. So... You ended up opening for them after I they were supposed to open for you. I ended up opening for them after the, after the show started because they were just Beatlemania. You don't want to, artists out there, if you're listening, don't ever get caught up in any, any kind of mania. <laughs> <laughs> but you traveled on a bus with those guys, the I four did. of them and you and Chris, for several months. I mean, how many people <laughs> had that experience? I, nobody. Well, uh, Roy and me, and that's it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, John Lennon used to have a Gibson guitar on the bus. And I, I, Sheila was a big hit in England, and I had to come up with a follow-up to Sheila. So on the bus, I would borrow John's guitar to write songs, you know, and he'd let me borrow it. Everything was cool. And so I wrote everybody on that tour on John Lennon's guitar. Well, that guitar just sold at auction for $2.5 million. Uh, 
You should have stolen it. Well, since you had a shot at it. Come on, that's right. Tommy. You could have stolen it. Well, that it's guitar. worth at least 3.5 now that I wrote everybody on. There you go. Absolutely. <laughs> what an incredible story. I tell you. Honestly, I could talk to you for hours and hours. I love the book. It Thank is you. such a great, just really trip down memory lane for all of us rock and roll fans from Thank the 60s you so much. and who love Tommy Rowe and love the great music that you put together. We didn't bring him here just to talk and talk <laughs> even about the book. You know we're going to do music. So, Keith, while we get set up and do some music, why don't you tell the viewers how they can get Tommy's music and their own copy of this book? from Cabbage Town to Tinseltown and places in between. Now, to learn more about Tommy Rowe, his music, and his memoir, go to Huckabee.tv. While you're there, watch a digital exclusive performance of his classic, Sweet Pea. Now, singing his smash hit Dizzy, yeah, sing along, with Trey Corley and the Music City Connection and Mike on bass, here's Tommy Rowe! Exactly how I felt 